0: This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the
1: global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics, and we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Mike Sumarasti, co-founder and CEO of of real Lives. Mike, welcome to the First Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me Art.
1: Terrific, thank you for coming. All right, by this time, you've heard about TikTok countless number of times. On some occasions, you heard about it from your children. On others, when tech pundits were arguing that TikTok is the first solid rival for Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat video marketing buyers but you may get this impression, well, it's not for me. It will, will not work for my business because I have no clue what to do with it. While well, on this episode, we will do our best to change your mind. But Before changing your mind, Mike, tell us about yourself, please. What is your background?
0: Yeah, i um, excited to talk about TikTok because uh, it's had a huge impact on our business, but i um, Yeah, Art, like you asked, I am currently the co founder and CEO of Realize, um, which is a consumer uh, technology startup. But before that, um, I worked in a completely different industry. Uh, I started out uh, working for a guy buying and selling professional sports teams. And uh, that was uh, a hoot. We looked at semi professional and amateur hockey teams, baseball teams, ticketing teams, ticketing companies, seating companies. Uh, anything in and around uh, semi pro sports. And so I did that for a bit and then got hired by a trading firm uh, in Chicago called CMT and uh, was in the right place at the right time when uh, crypto was starting to take off in 2015, 2016. And so I started a market making desk just to do arbitrage across exchanges. This was, you know, before it was cool. Um, and then fast forward to uh 2017 um you know everybody's doing icos and trying to get on this point and that coin and by the end of 2017 we built a pretty good business um it was me and like four developers and we were making about 50 grand a day and then um nice all of a sudden things went crazy and we started making millions of dollars a day um so we did that for uh you know a few months and made hay uh went from being me and a few developers to 30 people in the course of like two or three months and then a lot of that opportunity went away when the price came down and crashed a bit in 2018 and probably a lot of the way folks are feeling right now um, with where uh bitcoin and crypto is but um, we tried to pivot uh, with the business tried to do some other strategies didn't end up working out uh, partners decided to let go of a, a bunch of people on the team and so I decided uh, that I wanted to strike out and do something else you know something that was uh, hopefully providing value a product or a service to people and so that's why I started realizing so that, that was middle of 2019 when we started and um I still work from home now I've got three roommates uh wife and two little girls one's uh one and one's almost three so mm-hmm. yeah in in a fun stretch of life right now
1: yeah got you uh, do you find any of your previous experience helpful right now in your endeavor was realized
0: yeah you know I my my skill set was not as much uh in trading, like I I never felt like I was a great trader. Um, There was a lot of people, I got to work with a lot of really smart people who are better traders. Um, What what I really excelled at was like mopping floors and cleaning toilets, like doing the stuff that nobody else wanted to do uh, when it came to uh, work. And so, you know, when I started my career, that was like filling the fridge with pop and, you know, making sure everybody got their lunches on time. Uh, but it kind of evolved into just doing everything that needed to get done operationally. And I found that, at least for me, the opportunities usually lie in the things that people find mundane. And so with, uh, with trading, for example, um, nobody really thought Bitcoin was that big a deal in 2016, or at least not enough people did. 2017 was like the exact opposite. It's on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, um, all that. But you had to like see the opportunity before it was there to put yourself in position uh to capture the opportunity and so same thing here with realize Um, you know i uh i saw an opportunity to help people like figure out what fits in their in their home in their room and uh you know the technology was just getting there when we started in 2019 obviously now with the proliferation of lidar and um where graphic chips are today it makes it a lot more feasible
1: so it's a kind of um, paraphrasing uh, the Wayne Gretzky playing the hockey park where it will be, not where it's been, it's been up till now, right? Just looking into the future.
0: Definitely, I, I love that you went to a, a hockey quote because um, I played hockey like pretty much my entire life, so.
1: so you definitely know this quote way better than I, <laughs> than I do. Um, okay, I realize uh, you mentioned your current company Just give us a thumbnail sketch. What do you guys do? What 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 is all about?
0: Totally. So, like I said, my background, like my I, you know, grew up in finance. Like I thought, always thought I was going to be in finance. My dad uh, worked in finance and hedge funds. Um, I went to Wheaton College, small Christian school in the suburbs of Chicago, and I think I was on complete autopilot when I chose to major in business. Like. You know, luckily I also opted for a minor in math, but like most 18 to 19 year old kids, I never really challenged my personal assumptions. So, uh, fast forward to when I was running that crypto trading desk at CMT. I'm 27. I just got married. Um, you know, the firm's making a ton of money, and I finally have some money to replace the $200 IKEA couch or loveseat that we had when we, my wife and I, moved in together after we got married, and. Uh, my wife, her name's Danny, like she and I could never agree on what was gonna fit in our living room and how much we should spend. And we just didn't have a way to uh, collaborate or communicate what our individual visions were. And as we started building, realized it was really like to solve my marital problems. Um, But also as we were building it, I realized I had the same exact problem when I was moving into college. I never met uh, my 6'4", 240 pound roommate, Trey. I never roomed with anyone other than my little brothers. And I was extremely nervous and excited to get to campus. And Trey and I talked a little bit about what our room was gonna look like, but we didn't have a floor plan, we didn't have pictures, we didn't have um, anything to really figure it out. And I knew I was gonna bring a TV and he was gonna bring a couch. And that's it. That's, that's all I knew. Trey got to move in uh, like two weeks before me because he was on the football team. We were both on the baseball team. He was a two sport athlete, Uh, but he was on the football team and they moved in early for camp. And so um, he had set everything up. And I remember one of the first things he said to me uh, after I got there and moved in, he was like, yeah, you can put your TV over there. And I basically had to fit all of my stuff into the life that he had chosen for us for the next nine months. And it was kind of frustrating, you know, like really frustrating because I really wanted Trey to like me. I mean, in all reality, he was way cooler than me, way better of an athlete, you know, but I also love to reorganize my my room when I was a kid. I would literally do it like once a month. I don't know why, maybe some minor OCD, um, but it was a huge bummer to me that I didn't get to choose the layout of the room. Um, and so, uh, like when I was thinking about it, I was like, "Man, we had no way to lay this out. We had no way to even figure it out uh, before we got to campus. We had no way to agree or get aligned." And that is when I realized, like, I want to spend the rest of my life helping people communicate visually. So that that's where we are uh, currently with Realize. Uh, realize kind of solves that issue it's a 3d shopping platform that helps you figure out what fits in your room Um, turns your room into a video game kind of like having the sims in real life Uh, but we have real products from uh, a bunch of different retailers like target crate and barrel uh, and herman miller and right now we're super focused on helping college kids like i said uh, but uh, we have designers on there. We have stay-at-home moms, got young professionals, all using it to design and shop for their for the room.
1: So lucky for kids right now. Back in the day, you didn't have that app in your pocket. Now they do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk about the video market uh, because the app uh, you just mentioned uh, is based on the video tech you're uh, using the just uh, I guess this live uh, video recording of the room and uh, overlaying on top of the the certain uh, uh, items from you know like a chairs armchairs sofas right uh, the um, let's let's just uh, talk a little bit um, outside of the scope of the app just video market in general who are the major players right now um, the biggest scale possible and uh, how their, how do their shares look like in numbers? The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show.
0: For sure. I think it makes sense to share a little context of why um, I would be someone you'd want to talk to about this. So, you know, Realize is much different than uh, the other AR apps or visual uh, design apps that have come before in that we kind of use AR technology to create like a 3D video game. It's not like a, your real camera feed. It's like if you had SketchUp or if you had the Sims for for your uh, for your room or your home. Not,
1: not like yeah. Ikea.
0: Yeah. It's just capturing the dimensions of the room and then saying like, hey, make this video game version representation of the room with, you know, the colors of the walls, the texture of the floor. The avatar of your room. Yeah, the avatar of your room. That's, That's a great way to phrase it. And so, you know, we were looking for a medium to communicate this visually because, you know, it's, it's easy for people to think like, oh, this is what Ikea is doing. This is what Wayfair or Home Depot is doing. I've seen a commercial for this that's, you know, they used a ton of cinematography to, to make it look like you can do something that you really can't. And so we're like, how do we communicate this well? And we looked at Instagram and you had to have like, you know, 100,000 followers to get anybody to see your stuff. We tried Reddit, but we couldn't get great conversion. We were gonna do YouTube, but it's just so expensive to produce, and it takes a lot of time to create. Because you know the the bar for content on long form videos is just really high at this point in the world. And so we landed on TikTok because uh, it was really easy to create. We also looked around, and like, wow, we we spent some time on there ourselves. Obviously, we used the platform. We're like, hey, this is really easy to consume. It's really easy to create. This is where we should be. And so uh when you look at what tiktok's done it's basically just evolved video marketing to be something that is just like really consumable really addicting and for us that like that means one we should be there but two we're not the only smart people in the world Are you know halfway smart people like other people will understand this and see this uh and the people who understand it most are the biggest players like you said so you've got uh you know instagram uh Google, real YouTube, and then YouTube, TikTok. Right? Yeah, those are the the three biggest players in short form video right now. I don't think that it's going to stay like that for long because this is a $70 billion market and these guys are already fighting uh, tooth and nail for it. I think when it, in regards to like video share for short form content, uh, I think TikTok is like, let's call it 60% of the market. Uh, Instagram is 30 and uh, YouTube shorts is 10% of the market. Those guys are all fighting to be the king of that market. And last year, Instagram made forty billion million of revenue. Uh, YouTube as a whole made $29 billion of revenue with their long form and with the their new short form content. And TikTok made a billion dollars. So obviously there's a huge war going on for this like big, big pie, this huge market. So we, we see a lot of new entrants who are going to be coming in. And we also see these guys are going to compete to the nail uh, to win it, which means they're going to be creating opportunities for creators and brands
1: like us to get reach. So you decided to go into the universe from the TikTok side. Okay. Uh, let's uh, deliver on the promise of this podcast. Because uh, the name of this episode is how to hack TikTok. So let's hack the thing. Uh, what do you think TikTok is capable of delivering for the up marketer that other platforms just can't?
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if if there's stuff that TikTok does that uh, other platforms can't do or better. Yeah, I but the way that I would phrase it, I think it's a good question. I just I think I probably answered a little bit differently. It's like why why would you want to be on TikTok versus Reels or Shorts? And for us, when we started out, it was just the easiest place to get reach and get spun up really quickly. So if you don't know how TikTok's algorithm works, it's an interest-based graph, uh, which is different than the way that Instagram's uh, algorithm used to work. Uh, I've I've heard, and maybe this is rolled out, I haven't been uh, up on the news for the last month or so, that Instagram was transitioning towards something more like an interest-based graph. But what makes an interest-based graph powerful for a brand or a small startup like us is that you don't have to have hundred thousand followers to get famous. Your likes aren't dependent on how many people around you like your stuff. Your likes are dependent on how many people who like your type of content, like your stuff. So it basically gives you uh, a really fair chance at getting your content distributed because there's not less bias, you know, less personal bias. You get to tell did this work because we're actually good at making content or did this work because, you know, we already had a hundred, you know, a thousand followers and, you know, there's a certain percentage of them who will always like their stuff. So that, that is why like we serve with TikTok. It won't stay like that forever. The environment's going to shift. It's already shifted since we started. I would say like we've done an okay job at shifting with it, but it's a long-term game for us. We're going to be here for, you know, our our vision is that this is where it's going to be for the next three to five years. And whether that's on TikTok or shorts or reels or something else, like that's where we want to focus our marketing efforts.
1: So because uh, we, I mean, collectively, we marketers at the beginning of this road for TikTok, it's relatively new in terms of competition. Not everybody uh, jumped on this bandwagon yet. So there is a chance there's a room for you to present your product or service to other folks and because it's more democratized as you said uh, it's not instagram nothing is that polished uh it's like you know the difference between a real human being and that same human being in the makeup like the same person but you have um, better trust to somebody who is not being uh, under the facade of the ton of a makeup but just the real human being as you are so that's kind of a difference between tiktok and instagram so and yeah I do appreciate their effort to move away from the social graph and go to you know to the basics to the interests kind of uh, you know going from uh, the uh, social search to um, contextual search anyway but you yeah. know, in terms of video sharing um if you can think of um let's talk about the how to create the TikTok uh, content Uh, Obviously, you have an experience of creating stuff for your own campaigns to promote your brand. If you can pick up just three, five things uh, uh, to follow uh, kind of a best practice for uh, content uh, for TikTok.
0: For sure. So there's three ways that you can like get rolling on TikTok. One, hire creators yourself. Uh, Two, hire an agency who's going to manage that. Uh, And then three, do it all yourself. We opted for doing the DIY route um, I highly encourage anybody who's not on the platform to do that for a month or two, at least in tandem with hiring somebody else, if that's what you want to do. But, um, especially when you're a small startup founder, you want to be scrappy, um, you, you, should understand the platform or at least whoever's running growth from you should understand the platform better than anybody. Um, there's a lot of, uh, YouTube content out there. I'm happy to send over links that we've used in the past, um, uh, You know, YouTube personalities or or written content that has helped us. Um, But the three uh, best practices I can give uh, right now um, are one, hook, line, and sinker, the format of your content, two, using the Picasso rule, and then three, hitting on the three E's education, emotion, and entertainment. So, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, There's really like a basic format to all content on TikTok. It's not anything new. I'm sure somebody created this in the 50s, you know, but. Like is set right um, but you've got when you when you think about a piece of content you've got the hook the thing that hooks them in that keeps them from stopping scrolling and that can be something compelling like hey here's what nobody's telling you about uh, you know buying furniture here's what nobody's telling you about uh, creating apps here's here's the five things that you want to know about starting a business so something that's going to catch a really specific audience obviously you, you want to try and niche down as much as possible and just uh, do some research on what kind of content is on the platform. So you can see like, oh yeah, there's a good amount of people who want what I'm trying to sell. Um, Then second part is the actual content. So first part is just basically selling someone like, hey, this is why you should listen to my content. Second part, however long your content is, uh, you, you you can go for something that's a little bit like more medium form, like a 45 second video. Or just try and hit them with bullets um, in like a 15 second video for us personally, the way that we think about content is that everything has to be structured in one to three second bites. So uh, between each sentence or between each uh, pop up that comes onto the screen or each transition uh, sound, sound effect, you need like stimulation of some sort every one to three seconds. Otherwise, you're going to lose somebody in, in the middle of the content. And then the last part, sinker, uh, is call to action. So you want the uh, person who's viewing your, your video to do something, whether that's like it um, because you're just trying to get this post promoted or comment because you want to stimulate comments to get create more watch time and hopefully get somebody to say something like really inflammatory so that people, you know, either like it or go back and forth and create like little yeah. debate comment section it's crazy how often this happens but that's what leads to virality a lot of times um or like for us like getting them to download the app so uh again hook content call to action hook line and sinker the second one is the picasso rule um one of the most famous pablo picasso uh quotes that i know good artists create uh great artists steal uh the same thing is true with tiktok you'll see people out there who will say You know, you need to be creating your own content, original content. And that's great. I I have a ton of respect for that. That was my view before I started work on TikTok. And what I realized is it's way less work and way more likely to get viral if you just uh, copy what's on the platform and tweak it towards whatever you're trying to message. So as much as you can, try and do the same like format of the content, try and do the same sounds, the same uh, text, the same hashtags, Obviously, you can't copy something verbatim um, like a TikTok dance move. I can't copy their hashtags exactly if I'm going to use that sound and use that style of video because I'm trying to get people to download an app. Um, so you have to tweak some parts of it, but as much as possible, try and make it the same. The last thing, the three types of uh, content that perform best on TikTok are content that educates people, that entertains people, or that creates some type of emotion. So people will go, and that's, that's really entertainment, but um, I think of entertainment as more like magic tricks, dance moves, uh, and emotion being like vulnerability, sharing your, your personal struggles. Those are the three types of content that you'll see most proliferate the platform. There's other stuff that works, I'm sure, um, but if you're looking for getting started, figuring out how to work your content into one of those three things is, is super helpful.
1: All right. I think people should totally be on board with uh, copying uh, somebody else's work uh, in a way like you're reverse engineering and not the entire thing, but just the principle that is behind it. Like, what are the general guidelines you should follow? And you're going to feel this General structure, the general framework with your own content. So you're not going to be copycat. You're not going to be reinventing the bicycle or yeah. once or, or somebody did it before and really successful. Just uh, general good practice for business, uh, I should say. Now uh, we mentioned briefly influencers or so-called creators. Um, so they're they're a kind of big major part of social media equation right now. Uh, How would you suggest to approach uh, finding these people for your product to work with and launch the campaign on TikTok?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. We've had success uh, with posting uh, job descriptions on LinkedIn. Um, If you can find mine, I don't know if they show uh, old posts on there, but I'm happy to show my qualifications for how I look for micro creators. Um, there's a lot of open source lists. I can try and drop, uh, some of those in the, uh, to you. So you can put them in the description for the podcast, um, as well, but honestly, the best way is probably the least, I mean, this is true in so many ways. The best way is the least scalable way, which is just looking for con- content creators who create in your niche, your category of content, and then reaching out to them. A lot of them will have their Instagrams LinkedIn. You can DM them on Instagram, TikTok's DM system doesn't work. A lot of them will have link in bio, uh, you, and in that link in bio, they'll have a link to their email. Um, text sometimes, so that that's what I'd recommend. Um, we've had middling success with the other two routes, um, and they, you know, reaching out directly is, takes the most time, but it's it's typically the best way to go.
1: Terrific, great. Uh, now, Mike. So far, you've covered the positive side of your experience working with TikTok. What about the other side? Perhaps you didn't like something about TikTok?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, The the platform is young. It's grown very rapidly. So there are bugs. There's crazy stuff that happens that you don't know if it's happening to you, if it's happening to other people. Um, For example, I didn't know this when we started, but when we were getting viral, uh, people would ask what app uh, was being featured in our video. And, uh, we would, I'd try and tell them, and I would say, realize design link is in bio to it, to make it helpful. And then like three months later, I learned that TikTok blocks you. If you say link in bio in your video, or if you say it in a comment, they won't show it to other users. I didn't believe the guy who told me. I, I literally didn't, I didn't wait. I went back and looked. And I tried to look back through like our most viral videos from like an external account. I couldn't find any of those comments. I was like, I must be taking crazy pills. I know I posted these. I I saw them. I responded to all these people who were asking and I like never replied. Luckily we had people in the comments who would come in and reply for us, um, which was really cool. But I was just so confused as to how like, how I never even realized this. So there's little things like that that you like won't necessarily know uh, until you're you're in the ecosystem. And then the other thing is, it's not going to be the de facto platform forever. You know, Twitter's going to come out with something. Pinterest do, is doing video stuff. We already talked about YouTube and Reels. Um, some other startup could come out. Some Clubhouse type startup for video who takes a whole new spin on this. And so, I mean, you can't, you can't put all your, your chickens in one basket for us. We're just like short form as a whole, TikTok being the place that we started may not be the place that we stay forever, but until we feel like the tide has shifted, that's where we're at.
1: Exactly. Just watch this space. It's so competitive. You're going to see a lot of changes back and forth between the giants, but we've just covered the first part of the show and, uh, There's actually the second one uh, where I get a chance to ask every guest on this podcast, just a few quick, small questions. So here we go. What smartphone do you have now? Uh, Have you been switching between these two giants iOS and Android or just being one side all the time?
0: Uh, Yeah, I have iOS, but I'm an Android guy at heart. I've got started uh, Android, went to iOS, went back to Android. Now I'm on iOS, um, I, yeah, <laughs> there's pros and cons to both.
1: I see. Taking the best from the both worlds. Um, what is the first mobile phone?
0: Uh, Razor flip phone.
1: Got it. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, I wonder if you can still buy this this phone I mean, right now anywhere. I saw,
0: I saw Motorola is like either already released or is going to release like a newer version of it.
1: Uh, that's that's interesting uh now imagine you've left your smartphone at home right now and went out what would be the most missing feature for you
0: if i'm driving audible or spotify uh and if i'm not driving google you able to look up anything at any time is,
1: yeah. gotcha Now, when you're looking at your smartphone right now and you go, like, wouldn't it be great if that thing can do this or that? could be hardware, software, or both. What would be that thing?
0: Um, It would be great if it could uh, tell me what I should get for dinner. I know I can uh, always look stuff up, but I can't always pull the trigger.
1: (laughs) All right, gotcha. Okay. Before I let you go, just a very, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do?
0: Yeah, um, my email is mike at realize.design. You're welcome to email me um, and um, obviously uh, ping me on LinkedIn. Um, And I'm happy to talk to anybody who wants to about TikTok. Uh, A lot of people helped me to figure it out and I'd love to give back to anybody is looking?
1: Sharing is caring, great. Thank you, thank you for coming uh, and be on our, on our podcast, uh, Mike. Bye-bye. See ya. And that was Mike uh, Samarasti, co-founder and CEO at Realize. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone tablet or computer as soon as we release them and please don't forget to leave a review or comment on itunes it is highly appreciated and all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com thank you for listening see you next week thank you for listening to the business of apps podcast for more head on over to businessofapps.com